Welcome to Chattachesis. I'm your host, Deacon Matt Hallback, PhD, and I'm also a deacon of the Diocese of Des Moines, Iowa. I'm your host of Chattachesis, a podcast series for clergy that helps them find creative and fresh ways to share the gospel message and promote missionary discipleship. This episode is brought to you by the newest K-6 catechetical program, Christ in Us and Cristo in Nosotros. It sets the standard for faith formation in today's world. Check it out today at sadlyreligion.com forward slash CIU. We think you'll agree that this innovative program will change the future of catechesis. I'm really excited today to have Father Ricardo Martin with us from the Archdiocese of Milwaukee, and he will be talking about uh, his particular pursuits with evangelization and faith formation, um, but I'll let him go ahead and introduce himself. Father Ricardo, how are you doing today? I'm doing fine. What about you? I'm great. Now tell us a little bit about your parish so, so that our listeners who are priests and deacons have a sense of context, the, what the ministry landscape is there. And also you do have a role with the diocese too. Why don't you say a little bit about that? I do. So I'm a part-time pastor of, uh, of a parish, Sacred Heart, in Racine, Wisconsin. Um, in, in, in before, before COVID, we had 500 people coming to, to Mass every weekend, which I think makes us a at least in the Archdiocese of Milwaukee, a mid-sized parish. Um, my other part-time is um, the Vice-Chancellor in the Archdiocese of Milwaukee, and I am a podcaster also, like yourself. <laughs> no, I saw that. We started with, uh, with another priest. We started uh, a podcast that the Archdiocese is producing. It was our idea, but the Archdiocese took it as a, as a ministry of the Archdiocese, and it's called Two Guys and a Gospel. And we'll definitely get to that in our conversation. Sure. Yep. And, and that's my life. That's my professional life. They uh, job pastor, and then uh, I come to the Archdiocese two days a week to, to do the work of a vice chancellor. Um, what, what is that work, Father? Yeah, it could be, it could be anything. I support <laughs> the chancellor. Um, and one of the things I do is to give matrimonial dispensations permissions for marriages happening uh, in the Archdiocese. And, and we are a hotline for parishes also. Uh, they, when pastors or or, or staff have questions, they call us, and I'm also the editor of a, of a newsletter we send to, to administrative assistants. Um, we are very proud of this. We, we, we produce a letter once, once a month, and, and we keep people informed uh, about issues that they may find in their, in their jobs as a secretaries, administrative assistants in parishes. Wonderful. Um, let me uh, let me know again, or maybe you already said it and I missed it. How many years have you been ordained, Father? I was ordained in two thousand three. I think two thousand three. Seventeen years plus. Has the shine worn off yet? Do you still feel enthused about your vocation? I'm I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> those are those are trying days to us, but my vocation is fine. I I I wouldn't do anything else. I appreciate you saying, too, though, uh, admitting, I should say, these are trying times. We had a, a, another priest in an earlier episode talk about the, in the, the diocesan model of priesthood. I don't want to get too much into that today, but he, he was talking about it from the perspective of they don't have enough uh, collegiality, enough fraternity, enough time together as priests, and COVID has even hampered that more. Yeah, I, I always say that we priests are very peculiar people, so... So yeah, it could be it could be the case. Uh, I'm I'm also the dean in my area, and I think where we are, there is a, a good relationship among the priests. We we are a small deanery, only six pastors for ten parishes, and and there is a good level of communication. So I think I think we are doing fine there. But th- these have been very difficult times for 
for everybody. But but imagine priests trying to to put up with a new world of 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 this pandemic and the responses we've had to to develop and where it found us. I mean, if you if you are a priest who knows technology, uh, you may be in a better position than someone who didn't know anything about it. How would you respond to to the kinds of things we've had to do? No? Definitely. That's a great point. If you weren't digitally savvy before COVID, boy, it, it whooped you into shape and hopefully you're on board now because uh, it's, it's the way the gospel has been getting out, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. yeah. Well, let's jump into to our topics today. We're going to start with your Catholic paper, your diocesan paper, the Catholic Herald. And you had a recent quote in there, which I think is a good launching point for our discussion today. And this is the quote. You said you feel that your parish, which is Sacred Heart, Uh, has been engaging on a higher level since the crisis began. Your quote is, I think that many bad things come with the crisis, but I think it also has given us an opportunity to review our priorities. And I think people have rediscovered how faith plays a very important role in their lives. So my question is, how has that um, reprioritization been in your parish, and have you rediscovered or discovered new priorities? It's... it's I'm a firm believer that crisis is opportunity, and this was, this is still a, a crisis at all levels and, and global crisis everywhere. But for us working in church, my, my church, what happened is that we, we immediately started doing things. We, we, we were very lucky that we had a, a system to do talks online and, and, and for, to record talks and everything. We all, the only thing we need, needed to do was to move these cameras to the, to the church to be able to do live streaming like everyone else. But there, there was also a daily chat that I, I had at 6.30 every evening. We still have it two, two nights a week. And it was for our people, it became a reference for many people. We, we, we had like 80 people connecting for a church as small as ours. Mm-hmm. People connecting every night. Now we only have it two nights a week and, and we don't have 80 people, maybe 40 people now, half of it. But during the difficult days in March, when we didn't know anything, mid-March, it was a, a great way to, to get people together. And for me, I, I know people much more now. They know me much more also. People I didn't know by name, now I do. <laughs> so, so in many ways, it, it brought people together. And I think, it, it, with, with, for instance, when, we, when the Archbishop decided um, to, to, to not to have public masses, I think people reconsidered also the Eucharist, the value of the Eucharist and the value of community in their lives. So it's a terrible pandemic, no doubt, but it has brought this silver lining that I do believe people are taking, reconsidering faith and and seeing how important it is for their lives. So let's circle back to something you said right at the beginning of your response. And you talked about you already had sort of a technology, it sounded like a technology team uh, you already had cameras, you're already videotaping perhaps mass and other things. Um, it, you know, Jesus talks about being prepared and, and planning and being vigilant. Uh, do you think the, the way forward for, for priests out there, for pastors out there, is to have those technology teams to the best they can in place uh, to, to just sort of make that a permanent move a permanent sort of way, uh, addition to their ministry to have that sort of, we're going to be virtual, even got, please God, this pandemic slows down, recedes, goes away. We are still going to have sort of a technological piece now to our ministry. Do you think that's a way forward? I'm, I'm not sure it's the way forward. I would say that we cannot have the luxury of leaving any stone and turn. You know what I mean? I don't know if sure. I'm 
Bernard? Yeah, I understand. Well, I think we have to evangelize everywhere and, and mm -hmm. every situation. And live streaming and technology is one more way in which you can do that. Nothing comes second, nothing comes second to the, to the real celebration of the Eucharist in community, like we've always done, and as we are still doing again in Milwaukee, for instance, these days. But, but live streaming, it would be like asking Target not to sell online, you know? Mm -hmm. no, yeah, I completely uh, agree. Nothing replaces yeah. uh, in-person worship. Uh, church, uh, you know, is about community. Nothing replaces the, the interpersonal and the real-time sort of gathered experience of it. But do you think that this pandemic has made pastors revisit their priorities and made maybe technology a more important priority or a permanent priority? I think it's permanent. I think it will be an area where we will, again, it's, it's an area that you cannot dismiss because we, don't, we cannot afford not to be everywhere, you know? That's right. Try to be all things area. to all people. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And, and, you know, we have uh, people who, are, um, who cannot come to Mass because they are in the hospital, homebound or at hospitals, or even friends of the parish who've moved out of the, of the area to other states. Uh, and, and they, they can feel connected to the parish this way. Plus, not only mass, and we were not doing live streaming mass before. It was that we have a hall where we would do talks, and we wanted to make sure that we could post them on Facebook and have more talks and everything. And now we have both, the, the hall for talks and then some, some technology in the, in the parish also, in the church. You had mentioned, too, uh, parishioners rethinking uh, the value of the Eucharist. Um, you're, I'm sure, very aware of, of a recent Pew study which cited the decline in belief in the, in the real presence and a tremendous number of Catholics not believing in the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. What are you seeing in your parish in terms of reconsidering the value of the Eucharist? Um, I'm not sure that the statistic would apply to my parish. I, I always felt that uh, if you would survey my, my parishioners, we would do a little better. And, and, and I think that the, the last few months, <laughs> um, I think people do, do know that it's, it's really about the real presence of Christ. And we tell them very often, we, we receive mm -hmm. Christ, so then we can, we can be the real presence of Christ for others. So it's always been a very community-oriented social justice parish, and we are trying to even make it more. And, and I believe people are... are they know the words, they know intellectually what that means, to be real presence, to receive the real presence of Christ, and now we know it for sure. No? When, when we were not able to receive it normally, now, now we, we, we really understood what that meant. I ask most of our guests, uh, particularly at this point in, in this time of pandemic, are you starting to see people coming back and, and sitting in the pews, get, coming back to Mass? Is it are you seeing a slow transition back to church or are you still seeing people staying away? I would say that we have, uh, so if you compare our attendance now, any like next weekend compared to the first weekend in March, I think we are at 65, 70%. So these are 30 to 35. That's great. Yeah. 30, 35% of people who are not coming back and, and I'm fine. You know what I mean? I'm, I want people to come back to church at the same time that I understand perfectly why people wouldn't. And I tell them my, my heart mm -hmm. is open because either way it's, it's a good decision for me. We are doing it safely. I, I, we are spending a lot of money. You wouldn't believe it. We spend more money in cleaning the church than in technology for sure. 
um, we don't pay the IT person because it's me. <laughs> so you're the IT person? Kind of. We have I have some support, but but I, I'm be behind the the production and and how these things. And then I have a couple of people uh, helping us. I, I we found a great guy, a company that is very helpful, and I think we like each other. And I think he he spends more time than than he should with us. But but the idea was we are spending a lot of money to make it safe. So if somebody wants to come back to mass, it's safe. But if somebody stays home, that's also fine with me. I understand it. Wonderful. I think that's a wonderful pastoral attitude to adopt. And, and some, some priests have been critical of that approach, uh, but it doesn't matter. It's, it's what your own, you and your people, you know, uh, decide and understand together. I mean, it's, it's a local church, right? And it's mm -hmm. the and it's subsidiarity at its best. Um, what is it that we need right now as a community? Um, so I, I tell people I work for the arch, for the Archbishop. People criticize him when he installed the, the the dispensation from Sunday obligation. People, another group of people criticize. I know when he restored it or he let it expire. So yeah, not you can't win, Father. You yes. can't win. You can't please everybody. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, God that's bless true. you. That's wonderful. Let's move on to the next topic, um, which is you, you kind of alluded to it in your introduction, but the podcast that you, mm -hmm. that you created called Two Guys in a Gospel. First of all, what's it about? What prompted you to do this series? And is it still with Father Philip? Yes. Okay. And then do you have any future plans for this series? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so what's it about? Let's start. So with we, that. we we started three and a half years ago. Today we were recording episode number one hundred and ninety-nine. Oh my goodness! On the second Sunday in Advent this year, it will be episode two hundred. Are you doing anything special to commemorate? Uh, we discussed it today, and we said we will just acknowledge it. <laughs> we are not doing. <laughs> I, I am. I would do something special, but I think we are. Our energies are, are are fine, but let's not push it. No, no, but no, no cake with two hundred candles or anything yeah. like that. <laughs> the, the idea, well, maybe we can do a cake. It's a good idea. The the um, the idea of the podcast. I used to ah, and I wanted to check this. There was a podcast, so I like podcasts, and I discovered the world of podcasts like four years ago, and and there was a podcast that is not um, in existence anymore. Uh, Stephen Hubner. It was it was question of the day. This this and James Altucher, very famous guys in the world of podcast. One is the author of Freakonomics, and they had a, a podcast called uh, Question of the Day. There would be a question, and then they would have a back and forth. And I thought we could do that with the with the gospel every Sunday. Um, I didn't know Father Philip that well, but I knew. So when I imagined it, podcast this podcast, I knew of him, and I thought that this would be the right guy because we come from from different sides of the spectrum, so so to call it. And I mean the... Which the, spectrum are we talking about? I, I think we are talking about, he, he may, I think he's a little bit more traditional than I, yeah. and I'm a little less traditional, but still traditional. Mean, it's not like I'm, a, I'm totally to the extreme, and he's not to any extreme either. Sure. We thought that it would be a good back and forth, and that we would, we would, we would do this well. And, and, and it's been, it's been the case. We, um, we've done this for three and a half years now, and the idea is to to look at the gospel like a priest looks at the gospel at the beginning of the week, so to speak, um, like very without much preparation. We didn't want to to go there with lots of notes and lots of statements to make. Really, let ourselves 
put ourselves in the situation of a, of a priest or a deacon. In your case, you can preach also, right? At the beginning of the week, when we look, approach the gospel for the first time, what kinds of thoughts or ideas, like a brainstorming on that gospel. That was the, the idea, and we've kept it this way. We have a great producer that makes, a, makes us, I guess you have someone also, that makes us sound well. I mean, we say many things, and then they, <laughs> I know they fix it. it. They fix I know it. And we need, we need handlers, Father. Father. Yeah, we do, we yeah. do. <laughs> and it's, it's very interesting because I, we record a bit in advance, but I, I never remember exactly what we said, even if, it, if it's recorded maybe two or three weeks in advance, not much more, much more than that. So one of the things I do for my own uh, preparation is, is to listen to the podcast, to, to our own podcast. And then I hear Philip, Father Philip in a way that probably I didn't hear well in the, in the studio. It's, it's a very interesting experience. It is. I want to stay with this experience just for a minute because I think there's, there's a lot of value here for, for our listeners. And, and it, it, the value is found in what you said, which is you and Father Philip are on different parts of, of we'll call it the theological spectrum. Uh, liberal, conservative, whatever these labels really mean, nobody really knows. Uh, but we all kind of have an understanding of what it, what it may mean. The point is, the two of you are able to sit down and to share ideas and to discuss and dialogue about the gospel. Now, to do that today is a real feat, because I don't think there's a whole lot of listening and a whole lot of coming to understand one another, particularly when we're at different ends of any spectrum. Uh, I don't think there's much of that going on today. What do you think, Father? Uh, yeah, I would say that uh, Father Philip and I are not in the extremes by any by any means. Sure, sure. That's the first thing, and then we respect each other. I think that that that's that's key. I'm not I I'm not sure if he would agree that I see him a little bit more traditional than me. But the point is that we we can dialogue because we we especially because we respect each other and we respect the gospel and we respect the tools we have to understand the gospel. And what we have in mind is how do we help others to understand this? No, we, mm -hmm. we hate uh, the the. I mean, to become in Milwaukee, you cannot become very famous anyway. But <laughs> but I mean, our idea was not to 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 do it to become popular or anything. It was just just to to provide a tool for people, one more tool, and and to connect people. Maybe some people listen to it that wouldn't go to mass, but they get the message of the gospel this way. Yeah, missing the Eucharist, but at least they get something. Well, I've always thought Milwaukee to be the Hollywood of the Midwest. I don't know about yourself. <laughs> but uh, um, So let me hit you with the last question on this topic. Um, yeah. Well, there's two. One, do you have any future plans? Are we going to see 201? Or are you stopping at 200 episodes? No, no, we are, we are going ahead. Um, okay, good, good. I'm and the then, one who is beginning to wonder, what would the Arzaioses do if I would quit? Would they find another person with Philip? Would Philip stay or not would they find two more handsome priests or more popular we have some priests in the in the presbyterate who are a little bit more into giving talks and and yeah. they're a little bit more national than 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 we are yeah. i don't know i don't know for now we are we are we are staying put does anyone confuse you even though the names are spelled differently with uh, father john ricardo Mm, I don't even know who that oh, is. Oh, he's a national figure. He speaks a lot on, on I, Catholic yeah. radio. Yeah. Good. Yeah. No. All right. Last question on this topic of podcast. Yes. So there's a lot of priests today that use digital media to share the good news. Um, are there any podcasts or video series that you particularly like? Besides Chattachesis, that is. 
Sure. Um, and I will, I will, it's a new podcast, so I need to, to listen more. Um, I, I, am a, I, I follow these this, uh, authors of Rebuild, and they have mm-hmm. materials. I, I, I follow what they do, and I've been to the Rebuild conference there in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that's about it. I keep myself uh, off, off Twitter because I think it's, it's not a good place these days uh, for priests or for, for, for the reasons you were saying. It's very, very extreme for me. People are expressing opinions in a very, with very little charity and where mm. people uh, intend to dialogue. So, so I don't follow many, many things, but I do like the, the people from Rebuild. Yeah. All right. Well, we will definitely link to that. Uh, we'll find it and link to it as part of this episode. We'll also link to Two Guys in the Gospel. Make sure you get Yeah, you that. only need to link Two Guys in the Gospel. Don't link. <laughs> so you don't fi- need any help. You don't. <laughs> so final, final topic here today. In perusing your website uh, at Sacred Heart Parish, you have a social faith. I'm the, I'm the webmaster also. Okay, well, multi-talented, Father Ricardo. No, we have a small parish. <laughs> so you have a social faith task force. Mm-hmm. What is it? What prompted its development? And do you have any feedback from anybody who's participated in it? Um, the, the social faith task force started when, when the, the, the death of, of George Floyd. And I'm trying, so one of the things we did, we were doing COVID talks, I was having Zoom meetings like this one you and I are having. Um, and one of the talks was about what had happened with Father Brian Massingill. I don't know if you know him, but he was my, my teacher at the same, one of my professors at the seminary, and, and I traveled with him to, to Africa a couple of times. So, so he recorded a video with me and he explained things very well. And one of the things he said is that parishes should, should have a group of people or something like this. He inspired the... <clears throat> the creation of this group, uh, we are 10 people now, we started some more, some people quit right away, not, not surprising and, and not, not a big problem, I thought it would happen. Now we have 10 people only, uh, and I say only because it's, it's a small group, but we are working very hard, especially in educating ourselves before anything else. Mm-hmm. It's to do, to do things, to act also, but especially to, to learn ourselves. There is a lot of education we need to do one. We had a meeting yesterday there by Zoom. We meet every other week. We've been reading um, White Supremacy. We've been reading uh, Brian Massingale's book. Now we are reading the, the Fratelli Tutti, the letter mm-hmm. by, by Pope Francis, and we're going to do something about it. So we are, we are white like me, another book that we read, and we are discussing a lot, educating ourselves before we do anything else. It's been four months, very slow, uh, because we believe that, that the, the issues are very complex and we cannot just jump into anything. But it's going very well. It's, it's a great source of, uh, of inspiration and strength for me. By the so way, eight women and two guys. <laughs> so is this open to anyone? Is it beyond the parish or is it just parishioners? So it was open to, there is one, one couple that belonged to another parish, but the rest of us are from the same parish. There was another parish from Milwaukee who, who started with us, but for several reasons, this whole group from another parish, I think at some point they decided to start something themselves, or I'm not sure exactly what they are doing. There was no problem, it's just that it was a different parish and they had their own, their own schedule and motivation. So, so at this point, is 
I think it's 14 people from Sacred Heart and this couple from another parish. And do you have any feedback from anybody in the group? What are, what are people saying about it or thinking about it? People are, it's surprises would say shock would be the, the one of the feelings. When you, when you read books like, you read the, the new Crow, it's, it's, I'm forgetting the, the title of the book now, the new, the new Jim Crow. It's mm -hmm. a book that tells you about the problem of incarceration of, of brown uh, people of color, black and brown people. And you read there th things there that you, you get, oh my gosh, how could we not know this? Or why didn't, why didn't we understand that when a politician says such thing, that's what he or she really means. Uh, that book helps you to open your eyes. And it's been a lot of eye-opening for us. Well, it sounds like a tremendous uh, thing to be doing in every parish. And uh, there's probably something like this going on in many of our parishes right now, but it's just a wonderful thing that you're, that you're doing, and, and I'm glad we're featuring this on, on our podcast. What, what did you think? You read, you read a little bit. We, we, we publish everything we do there. You, we, you saw the books we read. And people... I, those books, we, I've not read all those books by any means, but um, uh, I would find it very challenging. I would be shocked as well, and, and shocked because of what you just said. How could you not, how could we not understand, read the signs of the times? Um, is it a lack of compassion? Is it, is it a lack of, and then it's the why, you know, is it a, is it a lack of empathy? And is it also, um, is there a resistance inside of us that just doesn't want to get involved? Um, is there a, um, it's just sort of out of our purview, and we talk yeah. about white privilege these days, is it out of our priv uh, purview as, as a white, me as a white person? I don't know. Uh, these, are, these are incredible questions. For me, questions. yeah, for me the answer is that we, instead of calling people to holiness, we've called people to, to being nice, no? nice citizens, nice people, and, and you can be nice and not do anything. Mm -hmm. Holiness is much more than that, and that's why we need to, to do more than that. And for me, it was also important, and we had this discussion yesterday night. It's not only about race and racism. We want to look at Catholic social teaching mm. as a whole, and it's not only about race, and the, the issues are connected. It's economics, it's, it's poverty, it's sex. It's environment, it's all these Environment things. also, yes. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate it. We're, we're coming to the end of our time here with, with Father Ricardo Mar Martin, pastor of Sacred Heart <coughs> Parish, excuse me, and wonderkin of all these technological things that he does at his parish uh boy aren't we other parishes would be jealous to have a priest who does all these different uh it types of with, things with a does. lot of help with, with a lot of help with a lot of help so i want to thank you for your time as i said we will definitely link to your podcast um and we will definitely link to the social faith task force and check out those books that you're reading and are we able then to, to interact? Uh, can we become, can listeners, for example, get in on one of those sessions and share thoughts and feedback? I, I, I didn't think of it, but we would probably consider it. I would have to ask the rest of the group also. Some, okay. some of these discussions are very personal. So we, sure, sure. we need to well, see what the, who the person is and what the motivation is, but I'm sure they would love it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we'll keep that in the back of our heads and we'll pray about it. But um, thank you again. And I want to thank our listeners also uh, who continue to support Chattachesis. And um, Father, uh, again, tremendous work. Would you please close out this episode with a blessing for our listeners? A simple blessing? Whatever you wish. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 
Father, as always, uh, stay with us, continue illuminating and inspiring us to, to bring your message of peace um, and of love to, to, to every person we, we encounter in our way. And I bless you, those of you listening, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. We're here with, and we're closing out with Father Ricardo Martin, pastor of Sacred Heart in Racine, Wisconsin. We thank you so much, Father, for your time, and God bless you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Chattachesis. Head over to sadlyreligion.com forward slash podcast to hear more. And don't forget to request your sample and trial of Christ in Us and our bilingual edition, Cristo in Nosotros, at sadlyreligion.com forward slash CIU.